The following sermon is by Manny Alaniz, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel in Northwest San Antonio, Texas. For more information, for prayer, or to support us financially, please visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. What is the most important question ever asked in all of humanity and all the history of humankind? What is the most important and frightful question ever asked? What is that question? Well, let me let me set, read it to you, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll, and we'll go from there. How's that? It is, Eli, Eli, lama sabesadni, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's a question. While Jesus is dying on the cross, he utters that question. Isn't that amazing? We read all about Jesus. We see it through the Gospels. And as he's hanging on the cross, breathing his last, he asks a question. Now, he could make, he could have made a, a, he could have made a, a grand proclamation. You know, love God. Love your neighbor. But instead, he asked a question. He asked that question there. On this Good Friday, we're looking at the crucifixion of, a, of our Lord Jesus Christ, which took place in time and space, which took place in human history. On this day, some 2,000 years ago, at this moment even, yeah, it would have been dark, pitch black. And it would have been a somber time for everyone. Grieving would have been going on. In the midst of the darkness that covered the earth, as though all of nature, all of the natural world, the universe was in mourning. It's like a widow wearing black, dressed in black, would be mourning, grieving. Here we have humanity committing a grave, heinous crime in all of nature is grieving, mourning in darkness, real darkness, not made up darkness. The writer didn't just add it to the text. It, it, is, it actually happened. And we know that because it's written in all it's written in the gospels, but we also know that because when it was written, people were when the gospels were still written, people were still alive that could have said, hey, it never got dark. That never happened. I don't remember that. But that's not what happened. They remembered it. Hey, they remember that time when it got pitch dark. You know, somebody a hundred miles away, it got all dark. It was pitch dark. I don't know what was going on. You remember what happened? That they said that's what happened. Jesus was dying on the cross. It happened. Now, it's interesting to note that the supernatural starlight 
which came about when Jesus was born. Now we have a supernatural darkness at his death. What is Jesus doing by asking this question? What is Jesus doing? That's amazing. Because at this point in Christ's life, in Jesus' life, he is calling God my God. Now, before he called him my father or father, now he's saying, my God, my God. Now, these are words of intimacy still, my God. They're words of affection. Biblically, my God, those words are covenant words, covenant words that God had given certain people. When somebody makes a covenant with somebody else, they're making this ag agreement. And this particular covenant, life was at stake. And this is a covenant address made just to certain people. It's similar to the covenants. That, there were several covenants in the Old Testament, uh, just a few to name a few, uh, the covenants of Noah, Abraham, Moses, and David. There was also a new covenant that was brought forth by Jesus Christ himself. This is a covenant relationship between God and certain people, his people. Only his people are permitted to call him my God, my God. And we know that because it states that. Look, the Lord says, you shall be my people and I shall be your God. It is a, 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 a term, a phrase of intimacy. So then Jesus' cry question reveals what? It reveals his obedience. It, it reveals that he's being obedient to God in the face of total rejection. Total rejection. Jesus is still praying. To God. He, he is still being, uh, he's still obeying the covenant. He is in a, in a covenant obeying dependent posture. As Jesus is dying, not only is he a dying savior, he's being a doing savior. Jesus is not only dying the death that you and I, that we should die or he is living a perfect life. He has lived a perfect life. He is dying. If you can say it this way, he's dying a perfect death. He's still being committed to God and his word. And as that's going on, our sins, our sins, our sins today, and those the people back then and the people in the future, the sins of those who belong to God are being in, uh, imputed, credited to him. Uh, imputed, it's, it's a legal term that that's being used. It's legal. That's why we refer to the legal ramification. Imputed. Jesus is undergoing the legal ramifications of the cosmic crime that we have committed against an eternal God. Now, why do we say legal? 
legal ramifications. Well, because Jesus is sinless. He's sinless. But now he's taken on the, the legal ramifications, the legal penalty that you and I are, being, are assessed because we're sinners. <clears throat> he has taken that on and he is suffering the penalty of eternal death in our stead, on our behalf. Jesus does this so that when we believe in him, his perfect record can be imputed, credited to us. His perfect righteousness can be credited to us. Let me say something. Everyone that's ever lived is going to be judged by God himself, the perfect judge. Everyone, except Jesus, everyone else. Think of everybody, anybody you know, everybody you read about, anybody, Adam and Eve. Everyone, including us, including us, we will be judged by a perfect judge, and we will receive perfect judgment. Perfect. So what, what's the difference for a Christian, a, a true believer, a Christ follower? What's the difference? As we stand or being judged, and we know it's coming, we deserve death, we're guilty of sin, we know it. But God says not guilty. We're going to be judged righteous in the right because that has been imputed to us. We gave Christ our sins. He has given us his righteousness. See, it's more than just eliminating all our sins and paying the price just for dying. It's even more than that if, if that's possible. It is. It is giving us his perfect righteousness perfect life. We stand in the right before God. As we're being judged, God says, not guilty, come to heaven. That's what's taking place here. But because God is the perfect judge, something has to be done with the penalty that you and I owe. We owe eternal death, eternal damnation, each one of us. And so because God is perfect, he's got to assess that. Something has to happen to that, or he wouldn't be God. And it's being put on the cross. Jesus is, is, is suffering through that. It stands written in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For the sake, uh, for our sake, he made him who uh, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Oh, wow. Can you say that? As bad as we feel, sometimes even worse. We feel bad and even worse. And then God can say, hey, you are the righteousness. You are my righteousness. You are my righteousness as you live your life. And when you're down and you're grieving, and when you don't feel as like you're having a good day, you say, oh, man, I am the righteousness of Christ, of God himself. My God, my God, these words show the greatest faith that there has ever been in the world. For him to do that, for, for Christ to say that on the cross, what, total darkness. And he, and he says, my God, my God. He calls out this covenant address 
Faith is believing God's word. See, when you have faith, when you're called to have faith, you're called to believe the promises of God, the word of God. No matter how you feel, you don't feel it's He promised that I'm going to be saved. He promised that I belong to him. And sometimes we don't feel like that. And sometimes we don't feel like that because we have done something we should not have done. Uh, we've done something evil, evil. And we know it. So we're called to what? We'll repent, turn away from that evil. And you, But you still did it. You still did it. You, you're like, oh, man, I still I did it. I'm sorry, Lord, repent. I've turned away from that. I, that is not me. I need your grace to stay away from it. But faith is believing that the word of God says you're forgiven. You repent. You turn around because you're forgiven. Believe that. That's faith. You believe the word of God. That is what's going on with Christ. That's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is doing that. Faith is believing the word of God, even though we don't feel it, even though we don't see it. We believe it because what? Because God said it. God has spoken those words. Jesus is forsaken. He is abandoned. And at that moment on the cross, He's abandoned. He's forsaken. God has turned away from Jesus and, and allowed him to absorb the sins of the world, of, the, of all nations, all people who believe in him. And he doesn't feel God, and he doesn't see God anymore. And he is hurting, and he still cries out, because, my God, my God. He cries out because he believes the word of God. That is what you and I have to do. Believe it. Believe the word of God. Perfect faith. That's what Christ is demonstrating. Doesn't feel God anymore. Doesn't see him. It's darkness. And he cries out because he's being obedient. He obeys God. He's obedient to God's word. So why is God doing this? Why is God letting it happen? God, the Father, has actually turned away, turned his back on Christ. The darkness is a sign of God's judgment. God's judgment is being placed upon Christ, Jesus, our Lord. And we know that because the scripture tells us, but I'm going to read you a couple of passages real quick that refer to what is going on. God has cursed us. Because we sin against him. He has pronounced curses on us. He's pronounced curses on his people. And now Jesus has taken those curses upon him. Listen to a couple of uh, passages that were written hundreds of years before Jesus walked this earth. They were written hundreds of years before Jesus was born. And there were curses by God to his people, to us. The first one is in Isaiah chapter 13, verses 9 and 10. It says, Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel with wrath and fierce anger, to make the land a desolate and, and to destroy its sinners from it. 
For the stars of the heavens and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be dark at its rising, and the moon will not shed its light. That's Isaiah. Another one in Jeremiah chapter 15 says this. Now, this is another curse that God has given his people for their, for their sinfulness. <clears throat> it says, you have rejected me, declares the Lord. You keep going backwards. So I have stretched out my hand against you and destroyed you. I am weary and relenting. I have willowed them. I, with a willowing fork. In the gates of the land, I give bereaved. I have bereaved them. I have destroyed my people. <clears throat> they did not turn from their evil ways and have made their widows I have made their widows more in number and the, more than number than the sands of the sea I have brought I brought against the mothers of the young men a destroyer at noonday I have made anguish and terror fall upon them suddenly he who bore seven <clears throat> has raised has grown feeble she has grown faith she has fainted away her son went down while it was still day she has made she has been shamed and disgraced and the rest of them i will give to the sword before their enemy declares the lord two curses that god has made upon his people that now jesus has taken upon himself that's what's happening. It is a natural sign of rejection, the darkness. As the sun is hidden, so is the light of God's face. The nature of God's question is obvious. He's crying out in agony. He is in agony. He is in pain. He's not just saying this, asking this question for us to look at it theologically. He's hurting. He's feeling infinite pain. The, the cry, the, the cry nature of Jesus' question shows that he has been inflicted, inflicted with enormous pain by his father. Who's rejecting him? Jesus is experiencing infinite agony. Have you ever felt? I mean, pain. We we all have. And, and I think we can all call it. We call a time when we felt some agony, painful agony, and not just emotional, but physically and spiritually. This is what he's this is what he's going through. This is what our Lord is, is suffering on the cross. See, this, it's, it's a bottomless mystery to us because we cannot really comprehend the depth of his agony and pain. His separation from his father, for all eternity they have been together. And now they're separated. And he's and now he's facing, he's he's feeling the sin of all of us. He's facing real physical pain. 
emotional pain because now he's separated from his father. Emotional, spiritual pain. It's horrible what he's going through, and it's infinite. Except that what he's feeling, <clears throat> the agony he's feeling, is infinite because the relationship with his dad is infinite. It goes and goes. So now, what is the answer? What is the answer to the question that he's asking? My God, God, why have you forsaken me? What is that answer? What do you think it is? What is God? What would God, if we could hear God respond to him, what would God say? He says that in the passage. I mean, in the Bible, God responds. The answer to Jesus' question is you and me. God forsakes his son because of us. Because of us. He does it for us. There is no other way for God to receive us in heaven. There's no other way for God to accept us except through the blood of, a, of his son, our Savior. The answer to the question, the, the, the most famous and tragic and horrible question ever asked, is you and me. That's the answer. That's why God does has done it. Jesus suffered and died for us. Jesus demonstrates God's love by suffering the ultimate abandonment unto death for the legal ramifications of sin on behalf, on behalf of everyone who believes in him. In the, the Gospel of John, we're told that as Jesus took his last breath, he says, it is finished, finished. This is God's perfect justice revealed in his perfect love for his people. Let us, as we think about what happened some 2,000 years ago, let us take a moment for silent prayer. You've been listening to Manny Alanese, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at ststephenschapel.org. Or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching His Word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.